Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Digging Deep, an OK Able One podcast. We're going to start a series over OK Able One. Um, as you, as our listeners probably know, August is when we celebrate a one one day on August 11th. So for the month of August, we're going to kind of pull back the curtain, let you know a little bit more about OK Able One, our, where we came from, our history, what we're doing now. We're going to talk with our leadership um, team from OK Able One and kind of share some information for you. So let's get started. Um, today, we're going to be joined by Susan Bull. Susan is our executive director. And Susan, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, I've been executive director with OK One One now for eight years. Before coming to OK One One, I was the chief operating officer for Girl Scouts Western Oklahoma. Worked there for four years and was over the the programs, including camping and volunteers and troops and all that fun stuff. Um, before that, I worked at plumbing companies. I worked for the state of Oklahoma and Department of Human Services Technology Department. Was an IT director for many years with uh, OKDHS, and I just love technology. I love being in a leadership role where I can help make a difference in the lives of those I work with. Awesome. So, obviously, you had to make a decision one time to join us at OK One One, and you probably looked up the history and know a little bit about the company first. Can you tell us a little bit about who OK One One is? Yeah, sure. Um, and I invite anyone to go to our website, okay11.org, to you know get acquainted, more acquainted with what what we, what we do, what services we provide. But just to give you a little bit of uh, history. We started um, the one call in Oklahoma started in 1979. Um, it was one of probably the first 10 states to adopt a one call process. Um, from the inception of the one call, then came uh, the creation of a one call law. They had to have a law that would push underground facility operators to participate in the one call so that it would be a, a service, a beneficial service for everyone. So in 1981, the law was created and then it went into effect in 1982. And like I said, the main purpose for the law at that time was to push the requirement for operators to participate and to register their underground facilities with the one call so that we'd have a holistic view of, uh, of where um, underground facilities were. And then also to encourage, at that time it was to encourage excavators to contact 811 before they dug so that they could get the underground facilities located and they would know where they were, what, what they were digging around so they didn't damage or um, hurt themselves. Um, since the law went into effect 42 years ago, there have been wow. 10 changes to our 10 amendments to the law uh, since then. And six of those 10 amendments have come in the last six years. So it's been a real focus over the last, last six years to improve our one call law, to um, remove any uh, vagueness, um, improve any questionable areas that maybe open for interpretation, highlight and um, really bring focus to safety around hazardous pipelines. Uh, that's a federal requirement now that states have to do. So a lot of the changes we've been seeing over the last six years have, um, have had a major focus on pipeline safety, hazardous pipeline 
excavation around hazardous pipelines. And so it's, it's encouraging to see that we are continuing to evolve. We're continuing to ensure we're relevant to our, to our stakeholders, not just our the underground facility operators, but to the excavators too. So we have a lot of stakeholders in our industry that we work very closely with and work uh, collaboratively, co collaboratively with to um, you know, ensure that the one call law is, is, um, is effective and it is followed. Yeah, I know one thing that I get to uh, talk about when I'm doing training and trying to explain where okay when one comes from and the reason for all the updates recently is in 1979 <laughs> through 1982, technology wasn't where it is now. To imagine directional drilling or boring, cross borers, um, the spider web of networking and telecommunications is out there now. Yeah. I mean, the internet wasn't even around back then. And then there's been this huge um, push for more and more things underground. And so it's like the law got established and things went underground faster than the law's wording was. And then in the last six years, we're finally getting it caught up again. So I agree. It, what, reading the law or understanding how long it's been around kind of gives you a new perspective of just how much updating needed to happen in the yeah. last couple of years. And the evolution of what's happened over the course of that 40 plus years. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that back in the 70s, uh, uh, Oklahoma one call systems used pigeons, is what I heard, to get the locator <laughs> request back and forth. To yeah. send out the locators. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it was very manual. I mean, it was maps, physical maps like we used to use when we would drive to get from here to Texas. We would use maps <laughs> right. and we didn't have these nifty little iPhone devices that gave us navigational directions every turn to take. And so back then it was physical maps and you placed a one call and the CSR at the time had to go find where things were on a physical map. So it was very time consuming and it's fun. This is probably the most, the funnest part of the job is utilizing the technology, seeing how we can utilize technology to better affect what we do. So I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Yeah, and actually that leads in exactly where I wanted to go is, so you came on board with OK1 eight years ago. Um, congratulations on your anniversary um, this <laughs> month. Um, so that's awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about what has happened since you came on board? Well, sure. I um, actually went and pulled some of my original reporting that I did back in 2013. Uh, when I came on board, I, you know, my whole background is technology and data analytics reporting. And so that was one of the first things I did when I got here was to try to see where we were, the lay of the land. And so I went back and pulled some of that information for this um, for this podcast to, to just kind of talk about, you know, where have we come over the last eight years? When I got here, we did have a satellite office in Claremore. So we had the Oklahoma City office and a satellite office in Claremore. So one of the things, one of the more immediate things I did was close the Claremore office and centralize everything to Oklahoma City. Um, there wasn't a need for that additional expense we were incurring for that office there. We moved those people home. So they kept their jobs and we just moved them to working from home. Um, we then pursued over the course of the next few years to design and construct a new building in Oklahoma City. The building we were in 
in Oklahoma City was an older uh, building. It was very small. We were pretty much stuck in there like sardines. There wasn't a lot of elbow room. And so we, we quickly decided, you know, this building has been outgrown for some time and we needed to do something about it. So we designed, constructed, moved into and paid for a 11,000 square foot building in Oklahoma City. So it's, it's awesome to be able to have a, a quality state-of-the-art office complex where people can feel good about coming to work and enjoy their workspace. And, and in this workspace, we, we've added a, a small fitness room. We've added some amenities that um, help the CSR with, with stress relief and help the staff with just wellness overall. So it's nice to have a space where we can all be comfortable and, and enjoy um, when we have to work in the office. Um, we did um, build our operating reserve. As a nonprofit organization, which Oki One is, it's a business best practice to have at least a six month operating reserve for any nonprofit. And at the time I got here, our operating reserve was maybe at a one month. Uh, we had $465,000 in a low interest bearing uh, investment account. So we pursued an investment policy with our board and moved those funds into a, um, a higher interest earning, um, just a higher interest earning account. We needed something to diversify it a little bit. And, and so we moved those monies in and then we started adding money to it as we had excess funds. So today I'm happy to report we're at a $1.9 million operating reserve which is more about, about a four month operating reserve. We still okay. have about two more months of operating reserve to build per business best practice. So it's kind of fun to be able to um, show that progress and have a focus on building our savings account. Um, we call it a reserve account because if anything happens and we can't bring in revenue or we can't, um, fund our operations, we can dip into our reserve account for that. Gotcha. Um, another interesting um, uh, tidbit that I found when I was going back and looking, 75% of our tickets are now electronically submitted. So that means they go online to the web or we've directly trained an excavator to enter their own tickets. So 75% are now electronically submitted. In 2013, it was 57% were electronically submitted. Wow. So we've really grown our electronic submission, which is great because that means we don't have to man um, the phones as much and we can just process the electronic tickets that are submitted. In 2013, we processed just over 800,000 inbound locate requests. In 2020, by the end of 2020, we processed almost 970,000 inbound locate requests. That's a 21% increase over eight years. Wow. And, you know, I contribute that increase to multiple things, but I think we're doing a fabulous job in our outreach to homeowners and professional excavators on the importance of our service and pushing that messaging for them to use us. I think that is probably the main contributing factor to that increase. Um, you know, there's other things, clearly funding for road improvements and, and you know, pipeline exploration and things like that also contribute to our increase in volume. But I think our messaging and our, our, our education is a major factor in that. Awesome. Yeah. 
you want to ask me? I've got a whole list of other stuff, so stop me <laughs> no, while no. I'm going to. I'm, I'm, no, I was, well, as an education outreach liaison, of course I wanted to touch on that uh, <laughs> compliment. Um, the re one thing that I do uh, find really interesting is over the last eight years, you know, we used to go to the state fair, and we'd be standing there, have you heard of Okiebo one? And they're like, isn't that a radio station? Like, that's the response that we were getting. And now, you know, I'm going to say a good solid eight out of 10 people know at least who we are and may or may not use us. That's the next challenge. But at least they know who we are now. And so that's something I've seen just being on the street, being at all our events and stuff that the knowledge from radio station, maybe, I don't know, to call before you dig or contact us before you dig. That's been a huge shift. And I love all the automation that we've gotten to where 75% yeah. uh, uh, stats have shown that if the user has the ability to see the mapping, that locate request is like 90% more accurate than it would be over the telephone because they're literally playing a telephone game with the CSR trying to describe where it is and all this sort of stuff. It's just going to have that extra layer of accuracy because they're directly uh, putting in that locate request. So that's always been something that I know that y'all knew <laughs> with that stack pushing yeah. automation and giving that to have those safe locate requests. So we're doing a great job in that area as well. You know, and, and I and I, I, I agree with you on the 811 awareness piece because one of the first things I did um, was attended the state fair in 2013 and we had a booth out there and people would walk up to the booth and I said, do you know what 811 is? And maybe one out of every 10 people knew what right. it was or, or thought they knew what it was. And I I realized at that point in time, we've got to do better at marketing 811 too. So mm. I want to say it was around the 2016 timeline that we rebranded from Call Oki to Oki 811 mm. um, to get that 811 in there so that we could start pushing that messaging of 811 is all you have to do to contact us. So um, that was a big focus uh, campaign that we did around rebranding. Um, also, you know, since 2013, we've grown our membership. We're at mm -hmm. almost 1,400 members now. And back when I was uh, came in, we were at about 1,150 members. Mm -hmm. um, there was a law change in 2016 that helped drive municipalities participating in the one call that helped drive that, that number up. But there's no reason why an underground facility operator shouldn't or wouldn't want to be a part of the one call to help protect their underground facilities. Um, we've done some pretty cool things in the contact center. We've um, One of the things was in our quality assurance department. They're the people who check the tickets to make sure that the correct dig site got mapped, the correct location got put in, the correct driving directions were entered. and. There was a lot of contention around the CSR being coached on what they did wrong, and it came down as a negative thing. And so we kind of shifted that into a scorecard and said, here's the, the focus. We want it to be on safe tickets, not on you feeling like you did something wrong. We want it to be yeah. on here's how to make sure you, you process a safe ticket. So we did a bunch of shifting around of that process, which helped the CSR see it as not such a negative thing, but more of a, hey, I, I want to make sure all the tickets I process are safe tickets. I don't want anybody getting injured on the dig site. My right. job's very important. I need to make sure I'm protecting people and protecting underground facilities from damage. Um, 
I want to say it was 2018, and correct me if I'm wrong, MG, but we, we developed that 811 certification program. It's an online certification that anybody can go to online and spend the time to go through the, the three chapters and get certified in 811, in Oklahoma's 811, which is awesome. And that's a free thing that they can do right now. At some point, we may start charging for it. So do it now while it's free. Yeah. Um, and we moved a lot of our, our training to virtual, or we didn't move it. We didn't say like, oh, we're never gonna do in-person trainings again, but we wanted to offer it virtually. If someone wanted us to come in and train their staff and they, they only had three, three or four people, we said, let's set this up as a virtual offering. And we, we would do a lot of ed education and training of, on safe digging virtually which then of course played a major factor in our ability to to pivot to virtual trainings in 2020 when we had to go all virtual um, so that's kind of nice that we have the ability to utilize technology for that delivery of our education and outreach as well um, over the years eight years we've performed multiple system improvements system upgrades we've streamlined processes all of those things have enabled us over the years to reduce our full-time equivalent headcount for our staff. Mm -hmm. So when I got here in 2013, I think we were at 71 FTE, full-time equivalent staff, and we're at 63 now. So it's kind of interesting to see that we're able to reduce our headcount through the use of technology and streamlining our processes and you know, making sure we're staying upgraded with technology. And then the last thing I wanted to just highlight is our, um, in the past few years, we've started adding what we call premium services for our members, which have to do with like update extend services if they want us to screen their tickets so that they don't have to go out and, and locate every update ticket. They can just do an extend if the lines don't need to be refreshed. We do an annual output maintenance and verification for members. Um, we can move members to monthly billing if they don't want to do annual billing. So there's a lot of things that we've added for member satisfaction and member um, uh, service and member relations in general to um, enable our members to you know get more bang for the buck when they do business with OPA Online. Provided in partnership with Damage Prevention Academy, Oki 811's Excavator Education Program is certified by the Gold Shovel Standard. Upon completion of this training, you will be educated in the regulations surrounding excavation in Oklahoma and the best practices for safe digging and damage prevention. Oki 811 certified excavators can rely on this high quality online training which specifically incorporates everything they need to know for the prevention of damage to critical buried infrastructure, as well as increased public and workforce safety. The training will take approximately two hours to complete. The training is fully responsive, mobile enabled, and can be completed on a desktop, laptop, tablet, or other mobile device as your schedule allows. The Oki 811 Damage Prevention Certification is a proactive indication of an increased investment in damage prevention to drive safety, reduce damages, and minimize the risks associated with excavating on or around buried assets. Once you have successfully completed the training and exam, 
you will receive a certificate of achievement, including the Gold Shovel Standard Seal. To get Oki 811 certified, go to oki811.org forward slash excavation certification. We've talked about the history. We've talked about the last eight years. And I, I, I think I got here like two months before you did. So you and I have been yeah. through <laughs> through our career the uh, same amount of time and um i just want to say thanks for your leadership um obviously we've done a lot of cool things in the last eight years um yeah. so so let's talk about the future of okay everyone what's what's coming on the horizon what's something to look forward to yeah it's weird hopefully we don't have another coronavirus in <laughs> right. the nobody wants that exactly um, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, we will always continue to look at new technology and how we continue to implement technology to improve our services. Um, AI is a big piece of that right now. Artificial intelligence um, in a contact center setting is available where we can screen uh, phone calls for certain keywords to make sure that we're following procedures. You know, there's a lot of things with AI that we can do um, that we're not utilizing right now. So. We are getting ready to implement a new phone system towards the end of June. And once that's done, we'll have that, we'll have the, the features and capabilities in that new phone system to turn on some of these um, options that we don't have right now. So definitely want to continue to use technology. Um, this new phone system is going to be cloud-based, which we're trying to utilize more and more of. So we have that backup. Um, in the cloud, we're 24 seven operations, so we can't yeah. be down. And it's nice to know we can fell over to backup cloud environment versus the physical backup um, location. Determine how we can positively impact quality and timely locates. This is a big thing right now. We're, our ticket volume is increasing, increasing, increasing. We're the notification center. The downflow of that is locators are being inundated with having to go out and locate all these tickets and, and locate the lines. And they're, you know, having to hurry so that they're not necessarily getting the quality locates in that they want, or they're having to um, try to do quality and then they get behind, so then they locate late. And yeah. so what I want to do in the next year, you know, over the next 24 months, at a minimum is see what we can do to help positively impact that downflow. And whether that means adjusting some of the buffering on our on the assets or on the dig site to minimize or help alleviate some of that outflow of, of notices to the locators. Those are things we're gonna be looking at and assessing and seeing what we can do. Not necessarily, um, the focus will be on helping with quality and timely locates. Um, with still there being that safety factor. We're very much about safety on the dig site and making sure nobody gets injured and underground facilities are protected. And of course, we'll continue with our education and outreach uh, towards professional excavators and the public. Um, it's very important that people know to call before they dig. Um, if they don't, they're digging blindly, they, they'll get injured, they'll take out services. More and more people are reliant on their electric, their telecom, their gas, and we don't want to see interruptions to those services. So the more we can get out there and get people to be compliant, the better. And I think we'll just have more and more opportunities to, you know, 
find new ways and new avenues to get to the that get that message into the right people. So it's going to be a fun and an adventurous future. I'm sure more things will come that we don't know about right now. Right. But strategically, we we are in position to take advantage of what we know is is on the forefront. That is awesome. Um, over the last eight years and going forward, one thing that I can confidently say is we figured out that the most important thing for OK One is the messaging, making sure that people know to call before they dig or contact OK One before they dig even better, right? And try to get that message across. So even in the future, um, no matter what technology comes about with excavation technology or utilities or anything like that, we're going to be in the forefront of getting that message out there. And that's something that's really neat to be a part of and to know that we're going to be on that right path the entire time. For sure. It's very um, exciting time. It's a great yeah. industry too. 811, um, damage prevention. It's just, we're all in this for the same reason, which is really cool. There's not a competition factor with 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 our messaging and with our services. It's, it's something that we want everybody to be passionate and compliant with. Definitely. That's one thing that I've really enjoyed about my role is we get to talk to others who have my role in other states and we learn best practices between each other to promote the message. And then when we're talking to industry, when it comes to our pipeline operators or electric companies or um, other member companies that we have, you would think there would be some type of competition between one pipeline company and another, but there's nothing. They're like, we just want um, consistent messaging. We want people to stay safe. The business side of business will take care of itself. But out here, we just want people safe and our um, facilities not to get damaged. Right. And that just it's just really cool to all be on that same page, it have is. a common mission. It, it makes the job worthwhile, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank you um, for joining us and be, kicking off the whole Oki Able One series. Uh, um, hopefully, we'll have you um, published prior to August 11th. Um, so um, anybody who's going to be listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're always um, following us on all of our social media. And this should be out before August 11th. So stay tuned to all of our social media for August 11th. There's going to be some really cool things that are going to be taking place on that day as well. So with that, I thank Susan for joining us. And thank you, everybody who listened and doing your part to keep Oklahoma safe. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.